2 Samuel chapter 15, I want to look at just a few verses with you, verses 1 through 6 this morning. 2 Samuel chapter 15, verses um, uh, 1 through uh, verse number uh, 6 this morning. Church, I hate to do this to you, but I cannot read without glasses anymore. And I just so happen to have 25 pairs in there now, so I don't have to have to be without them, all right? Young people, you're going to get old one of these days, so don't make fun of old people, all right? You will be there if the Lord tarries this coming, and if you don't, the she-bears will come out and get you. All right, 2 Samuel chapter 15, look at verse number 1. <clears throat> and it came to pass after this that Absalom prepared him chariots and horses and 50 men to run before him. And Absalom rose up early and stood beside the way of the gate, and it was so that when any man that had a controversy came to the king for judgment, then Absalom called unto him and said, Of what city art thou? And he said, Thy servant is of one of the tribes of Israel. And Absalom said unto him, See, thy matters are good and right, but there is no man deputed of the king to hear thee. Absalom said, Moreover, O that I were made judge in the land, that every man which hath any suit or cause might come unto me, and I would do him justice. And it was so that when any man came nigh to him to, and to, to do him obeisance, he put forth his hand and took him and kissed him. And on this manner did Absalom to all Israel that came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. In verse 13, we see that comes about. And there came a messenger to David saying, the hearts of the men of Israel are after, after, after Absalom. We are going through a series of lessons right now on history. And uh, we're, that's the book of Joshua through the book of Esther. And so again, we try to pick out key stories as well as uh, lessons as far as the history of Israel. And this was a key. Uh, David is dethroned. David is on the run. His son Absalom takes over. And so this morning, I want to talk to you a little bit about Absalom's rebellion. And if the Lord allow, I want to talk to you for a little bit on how he did it as far as stealing the hearts of the people this morning. All right? So I want you to do is this. I just want you to pray. I won't pray very long, but I want you to ask the Lord personally that the Lord will speak to your heart and help you this morning and give you what you need. Let's pray together. Our Father, thank you again for letting us be together. Bless the church family. Bless our visitors this morning. Lord, if there's one person, not for sure, that if they died today, they would go to heaven. Help them, Father, Lord, to come and receive your son, Jesus Christ, as their personal Savior. Now, Father, help us as Christians to understand this thought of stolen hearts, this thought of rebellion. Father, as we look at the story of Absalom, that we would learn from it and not do like he did. Father, help us now. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. <clears throat> now, Church Emily, let me, let's, let's get the story in our mind as far as Absalom, if you, if you don't mind, as far as what took place. You know your Bible. Second Samuel chapter number 11, what does David do? He commits that awful sin. He commits adultery with Bathsheba. Second Samuel chapter number 12, what happens? Nathan the prophet comes to him and says, thou art the man. Second Samuel chapter 13, now begins all of the repercussions of David's sin. Second Samuel chapter 13, Amnon rapes his sister Tamar. Second Samuel chapter number 14, uh, you have Absalom killing Amnon for raping his sister Tamar. All right, so, to, so as we work through here, chapter 16, 17, and 18, it's about Absalom's rebellion as far as taking over the kingdom. And all of this was the consequences, to a degree, all the, was the consequences for David's sin in his life. Now, this idea of rebellion, I want to kind of just kind of make this very, very clear about rebellion, okay? To me, rebellion is simply this, all right? There's a difference between being disobedient and being rebellious, all right? Now, I know to be rebellious, you have to be disobedient, okay? We understand that. But I just want you to understand that it's, it's different. When God used the word rebellion, for instance, okay, 1 Samuel, what does he say? He says rebellion is as the sin of what? Okay, now think for a moment here. When he used that verse, rebellion is the sin of witchcraft, which story in the Bible was he making reference to? 
he was making reference to Saul not killing Agag and all the Amalekites like God had told him to. And that's when he says, hey, listen, Samuel comes to Saul. Hey, to hearken is better than the fat of rams. And to obey is better than sacrifice. Because rebellion is as what? The sin of witchcraft. So here's the idea. Saul did not just, just do something wrong. Saul directly disobeyed the authority which was God, the authority in his life. Now, young people that are with me this morning, there are going to be times that you're going to do wrong. Now, young people, 7th and 8th grade boys and girls, got a question for you. This is really difficult. How many of you would say that you never do anything wrong? Would you raise your hand? Oh, come on. Sarah. Good, good. All right. All right. I, 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 I don't even have to take a vote on that one. All right. Sarah said she didn't do anything wrong. Okay. Now, all of us do things that are wrong. Okay. All right. How many have ever stolen a cookie before? All right, how many's ever said a bad word before? All right, would you please stand up and say what those words were? No, I'm just joking, all right? So all of us have done things that are wrong, but rebellion is different than that. Rebellion is when a person goes directly against the authority in their life and they do opposite of what they are told. Saul, go kill Agag and kill, and kill all the Amalekites. What does Saul do? He comes back with King Agag as if he did some great thing and he kept, keeps the spoil of the Amalekites. He directly disobeyed God. You know what that's called? Rebellion. Rebellion. And by the way, we're no different than Saul. We make excuses. Well, it wasn't me. It was the people's fault. Well, it wasn't me. It was the Philistines. Or, I mean, when you look at Saul's life, not that particular story. But there were different excuses that Saul made in his life about why he didn't do what he did. Now, church family, can I tell you? You can think it's, it's small or it's not, not too bad. or you're not, I'm talking about you as your personal life. But when you directly disobey God, that's called rebellion. What's rebellion? It's the sin of witchcraft. Hey, all of us do things that are wrong. There are no perfect people in here. But rebellion is not just doing something wrong. Rebellion is doing the opposite of what God tells us to do. Now, this morning, this story of Absalom, I want you to think about as far as his rebellion. Okay, Now, boy, he did it very, very craftily, did he not? I mean, here, if I can do a short timeline with you as far as Absalom's life, you know, of course, I don't know what the years would be as far as how old he was, but we do know this. Absalom kills Amnon, all right? Now, think for a second here. Amnon commits that awful sin against Tamar. Two years go by, and Absalom says nothing, but he's hate, he hates his brother Amnon. So he kills his brother Amnon, and he goes back to Geshur, which was really his mother's side of the family, because David had married a heathen queen. Uh, she was the daughter of King and Gesher. And so he goes back there, and he lives in Gesher for three years. All right, you with me so far? Two years, he's mad at Amnon. He finally kills Amnon. Three years, he's in Gesher with a heathen king. Then David finally sends for him, but when he sends for him and he comes back to Jerusalem, he says, I don't even want to see his face. Just let him go to his house. So David's half-hearted forgiveness didn't go over very well. For two years, David didn't even see him, all right? Two years, he's mad at Amnon. Three years, he's in Gesher. Two more years, David's not even going to look at his face. And then all of a sudden, David, half-hearted forgiveness, Absalom comes on the scene. Now we get to chapter number 15, where we're at this morning, and look what's happening in chapter number 15. He's stealing the hearts of the people. Now, I don't know if this will be the introduction of the lesson this morning, but I want to start off with this idea of stealing or stolen hearts, if I can say it that way, stolen hearts. There are so many young people that get messed up in their life because somebody stole their heart. All right, are you with me this morning? Say amen. amen. All right, I, how many do we still have at home? Five at home, six at home? We got one gone, two gone. We got six at home right now, right? Counting Seth. All right, six at home. All right, another one's going to leave here shortly, so then five at home. Countdown's going, all right? 
I still have five at home, okay? Now, Sarah raised her hand a moment ago, and since she was so kind to help me out this morning, we're going to use her as an illustration, all right? Because my kids love to be used as illustrations because they love the attention, all right? How many agree with that? Say amen. 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 How many think that Sarah needs, to be, needs some attention because she's a sheltered, quiet, shy, timid type of child? Amen. All right, amen. All right, so good. All right, so thank you very much. All right, now, Sarah, how old are you, Sarah? 12? All right, I guessed it right. She's 12 years old, all right? So, Sarah is 12 years old, and the goal of raising our children is to try to get Sarah to give me her heart. Now, we use the word heart, but really, what does the word heart mean? It means desire, will, or emotion. In other words, we want our children to give their will to us as parents, okay? Because guess what? Parents knows what, know what's best for their children. Hey, fellas. I, I, man, thanks again for deciding to come here today and take, take part of our adult class. What a blessing. Hey, can I just tell you that TV portrays parents as idiots. They portray parents as this, this goofball that doesn't know what they're doing about raising their children. That's what Hollywood's portraying to you on television. That is not true. Hey, did you choose your parents? Kaya, did you choose your parents? No. God gave you the parents that you have. That means you had zero choice in it. Do you think God knows what's best for you? Do you think God knew what family to put you in? I think he did. He's God. Okay, so if God puts you in the family that you're in, then you don't have these goof of parents that, wow, I wonder how this happened. God gave you those parents to raise you. So what the goal is, is for Sarah to give her will to me. All right? Read the book of Proverbs. The Bible says you're supposed to guide your heart. You're supposed to give your heart. You're supposed to guard your heart. Now, by the way, that book was written specifically to young people. Now, my son, give me thine heart. I think it's Proverbs 23, 26. My son, give me thine heart and let thine eyes observe my ways. We got a bunch of young people today. They're not giving their heart to their parent. They're giving their heart to some dingling that's trying to get them to go astray. Young people, can I just, the warning is here. The warning is do not get wrapped up with some other 13-year-old, 14-year-old, or 15-year-old that is only worried or only concerned about their own personal self-gratification. They're not concerned about you. They're not concerned about your welfare or that you'll do right or that you'll be blessed. They are looking out for them. Hey, have you ever dawned on you before? Young people will go get advice from somebody their age, all right? Let's say uh, the young people in here are 13, 14. Am I correct on that? 12, 13, 14. How old are you? 12. 12. How old are you? 13. 13. So about the 12, am I right? 12, 13, 14 age right over here. You guys over here, I know you look so much older than that. 12, 13, 14, am I correct on that? You guys don't know how old you are? Somebody tell them how old they are. All right, so, hey, isn't it crazy that you would ask another 13-year-old that has only lived 13 years on this earth and not ask your parents who've lived 40 years upon this earth? It doesn't make sense to me. I would like to know somebody who's already walked the path that I've walked to give me advice on how to walk. Why would I ask a 13-year-old that hadn't even walked where I've walked yet, what do you think about this? Well, let me tell you. They have nothing to rub, by the way. Peach fuzz. And all I'm trying to say is, is that the devil, he has been doing this forever. I mean, since the beginning of time. And it's this idea of getting an evil man who is a backslidden Christian or a wicked man who is a lost person, whether it's lost or a backslidden Christian, carnal man. It's about trying to get you to go astray. Now, look what Absalom did when it says here. Now, look at your Bible again. Look at the last phrase, verse number 6, chapter 15. 2 Samuel 15, verse number 6. It says, so Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. So how did he do that? I think it's the same way that people do it today. All right, Church, listen. Listen to me this morning, okay? 
You guys are so gracious to me, and I say it sometimes, and I hope you understand my heart that I mean it. But I'm, I'm so thankful for Heritage Baptist Church, and I'm thankful for every one of you. I'm thankful that God brought you as part of this family. I'm thankful that you're, lo- and again, we're, our loyalty is to God, but God, as Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. I'm so thankful that there are people who follow. And that's what we want for our children. Can I tell you something? There are many churches that have gotten wolves inside the church. And you know what a wolf does? A wolf tries to steal the hearts of the people. You know what we're trying to do for our children as far as making sure that they do what's right? Is we're trying to keep them away from the wrong influences that are trying to steal the hearts of our children. So how does that happen? I want you to see now. Look what he says in verses 1 through 6. How did Absalom steal the heart? Verse number 1. Let's pick it up there. The Bible says in verse number 1, And it came to pass after this that Absalom prepared him chariots and horses and 50 men to run before him. And Absalom rose up early and stood beside the way of the gate. And it was so that when any man that had a controversy came to the king for judgment, that was David, came to David for judgment, then Absalom called unto him and said, Of what city art thou? And he said, Thy servant is of one of the tribes of Israel. Now, church, I think the Lord has given us a shortened version because obviously we have just one verse of what Absalom did day in and day out. What did Absalom do? He came and stood by the gate when people were coming to the gate of the palace because this, let's pretend this is the gate. They were coming to the gate of the palace because they were coming to see the king. The king's up there on the pulpit. But guess what Absalom did? He cut him off at the pass. I'm going to tell you what Absalom did. The Bible says he stood, he waited, and his people came in. Hello, my name's Absalom. What's your name? Where are you from? How long have you lived there? Why are you here? Do you understand the reason he stole the hearts of the people is because he conversed with them. He spent time with them. He had conversation with them. I want to tell you something. When you get somebody inside of a church that's trying to split a church, I want to tell you the first thing they do, they start to take people out to eat. And and by the way, there's nothing wrong with taking people out to eat. I'm talking about a person who's got an agenda, a person who's trying to find out Okay, who are the ones that are kind of disgruntled or who are the ones that have a burn underneath their saddle to try to get them on board with them? What was he doing? Conversation. Young people, can I just tell you, the person who wants you to get you to go astray, the first way they're going to get their heart is conversation. They're just trying to befriend you. Now listen, it's, in, it's important for you to have the right kind of friends. Anybody got friends in here this morning? Raise your hand. You got friends in here? All right. I know the song says to choose your friends wisely than pass the pirate. Personally, I don't think that you necessarily choose, though there is somewhat of a choice. To be honest with you, you are, there's no other way around it. You are going to gravitate, gravitate to what you are. So if you have bad friends, it's because you're not a very good person. If you have good friends, it's because you're a good person. Where do you get that from? I get that from Proverbs 27, 19. As in water, face answereth to face, so the heart of man to man. How many has ever looked into a mirror before? Some of you should have this morning, by the way. All right, how many has looked in the mirror? How many of you this morning when you got your face all prettied up and you forget your hair, you were looking into a mirror? How many looked into a mirror this morning? All right, all right, good. How many was pleased with what you saw? Okay, not only half of you, all right? As in water, face answereth to face. If you ever look into a pond and the pond has no ripples in it and you look into the pond, you see your reflection. As in water, face answer to face, so the heart of man to man. 
And I want to tell you something. As Christians, what draws us together is the Spirit of God. But what also draws us together, I refer to sanctification or holiness, is the kind of heart that we have. All right? Good heart draws good-hearted people. Bad heart draws bad-hearted people. I had a person one time tell me, uh, I, this particular person, I told him, I said, listen, your problem is because of who you're hanging around. Now, I want to tell you what they told me. Well, I don't want to hang around with the people at church. I said, that's because you have a problem. Hey, I, I enjoyed Rebecca's uh, testimony a moment ago. And Rebecca's true, okay? This is not a perfect place, all right? How many's already, you've been here long and I figured out this place is not perfect. How many's already figured out the pastor is perfect? Raise your hand. Okay. <laughs> Did you raise your hand? No. no? My own wife didn't even raise her hand. Come on. Hey, do you understand that, yes, there are imperfect people, and it's not that you're a perfect person going to find perfect friends, but a good-hearted person is going to find good-hearted people. So, young people, listen. It's not a matter of, oh, that's bad, that's good. It's a matter of, are you good? Because, listen, if you're good, you're going to draw good people to you. If you're bad, you're going to draw bad people to you. So what did, what did Absalom do to steal the hearts of the people? He conversed. He spent time with them. If there's ever a day that conversation is real, to an extreme, it's today. Why? Internet. Facebook. Twitter. Tweet, tweet. And I can't tell you all the other ones. All the other. Uh, I, don't even have, I don't have social media, which you figured out. But all of this social media has turned into junk because people are conversing about things they shouldn't converse about. I don't need to find out who I went to high school with that might have liked me 30 years ago. That's foolishness. Well, I want to see where they're at. I want to see what they're doing. I want to see if they still like me. You're an idiot. I didn't say it. i got to stop saying the word idiot. I shouldn't use the word idiot. You're, you're ding-a-ling, all right? You're not an idiot. You're setting yourself up for failure and for falling when you do stuff like that. You know what it starts with? I've noticed that people say things over the internet they would never say in person. Never. Listen, you've got to be careful. Proverbs 10 verse 19 says, In the multitude of words there wanteth not sin. The word want means lacketh not. In the multitude of words there wanteth not sin. Can I just tell you, the more you speak, the more apt you are that you're going to do what? Sin. Conversation is a killer. I was a teenager at one time. Don't look at me like, really? I was a teenager at one time. Right. Yeah, right. Tell me. Thinks I instantly got this old. There were no cell phones when I was a teenager. So <clears throat> there, were, there were things called phone jacks inside of a house. I know, it's cell phone, I know. Okay, so a phone jack was this little thing that you plugged a wire into that was attached to a phone, and the jacks were throughout the house, all righty? Uh, oh, my mother's here. Mom, would you leave the, I'll leave the auditorium, please? This is a personal illustration, all right? Steak, I forgot about this. Okay, so there were phone jacks in the house, but there was a phone jack downstairs, and that's where I lived. I was in the basement. My brother had a room. I had a room. There was one phone jack. It was my brother's room. There was a phone jack in the house at the bottom. And there were two, two or three phone jacks upstairs. And so um, I grabbed a phone. And I went downstairs and I plugged the phone in. 
And I, I got on the phone, and I was talking to another teenager on the phone. And all of a sudden, my dad never picks the phone up, ever. They always gave him the phone. He never picked the phone up. But guess what? He did that day. Now, you all don't understand because you're used to cell phones, but if you're plugged into a phone jack upstairs, the phone's live upstairs as well as downstairs. So I'm having a conversation, and all of a sudden, my dad picks up the phone upstairs, and he hears me talking. It, it was rule in our house, no phones, no phone downstairs. If you're on the phone, I'm going to know when you're on the phone, and I'm going to know who you're talking to. That's how it was, okay? We didn't, Dad didn't give us, there was no cell phones to give. He didn't give us a cell phone, and we could talk to anybody, anytime, anywhere, no matter wherever we want. And I want to tell you something, those safeguards were good. And we're getting into trouble today because we've got elementary students with their own phone. All right? Hey, now, church family, listen. Your family, your children, you do whatever you want when it comes to this thing. But I'm just telling you, phones are getting our kids in trouble. Internet's getting our kids in trouble. And I want to tell you why. Because people are stealing their heart. Here you're trying to get their heart, you're trying to train them, you're trying to teach them, you're trying to get them to serve the Lord, and all of a sudden you've got the devil using his little minions who are either lost or carnal to try to get your kid to tell them, oh, your mom and dad don't know what they're talking about, your mom and dad, they're just trying to, you know, abuse you, your mom and dad. No, they don't know. Conversation, be careful who you spend time with, be careful who you listen to, all right? Look at number two, all right? How did he steal their hearts? First of all, it was conversation. Look at verse number three. First, 2 Samuel chapter 15, verse number 3. And Absalom said unto him, the person he meets at the gate, See, thy matters are good and right, but there is no man deputed of the king to hear thee. And listen, I want to tell you how he stole their hearts. He stole their hearts through conversation, but he also stole their hearts through compliments. Think about it. He meets this guy at the gate he's never met in his life. He's never met him. They come to see the king. They're not coming to see him. Hey, oh, it's good to see you. Where are you from? How long you been there? What are you here for? Oh, hey, I want to tell you something, what you're saying. That's good. That's right. You know, a person told me one time, compliments are like perfume. You can sniff it, but don't swallow it. Can I just tell you? that you've got to be careful because the people who are trying to pull you away from what's good and right are always going to tell you that you're doing good and right, even if you're not doing good and right. The best friend you have is somebody that'll stick a finger in your face and say, thou art the man. No, that's not right. And no, you shouldn't do that. And yes, we present it in love. But at the same token, you don't need somebody to pat you on the back and say, okay, you know, your parents just simply don't understand. And, you know, the school just has too many rules. And, you know, I don't think this one is necessary. Hey, compliments. we got to be careful that we don't believe everything. I want to tell you something. Uh, everyone likes compliments. In fact, the Bible says, as the finding pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, so is a man to his praise. You know what? Really, actually, it can help you be a better person. As the finding pot for silver and the furnace for gold, so is a man to his praise. Praise can bring out the best in a person. But if you're not careful, praise will draw you to somebody who's bringing out the worst in a person you got to be careful. you got to be careful. Listen to me this morning. There are, you know what the difference about a Christian is? A Christian who's raised in a Christian home and a young person raised in a Christian home, they've been taught not to use the Lord's name in vain. they taught that church is wholesome. They've been taught that they're supposed to abstain from the opposite gender until they get married. I mean, they've been taught all of the wholesome things that a lost person respects, even though he's not doing because he's enjoying his flesh, but he respects that. The Bible says the adulteress, chapter 7, the adulteress, chapter 5, I'm sorry, 
The adulterers will hunt for the precious life. The word precious means valuable. Young people, I'm just telling you something. You have value. You know why you have value? Because you haven't sold yourself out to the world. That's valuable. The adulterous hunts for the precious life, the valuable life. And I want to tell you how they do it. They compliment. And their compliments are self-centered. Their compliments are not towards you. The compliments are so they can get what they want. Better be careful. Better be careful. Careful who tells you that they think you're beautiful. Be careful about the person who, who wants to compliment, you know, how well you're dressed and, you know, how smart you are. You know, I didn't know this when I first came to Heritage. I just thought everybody who complimented the pastor was telling the truth. I just thought that was the case. And so I, you know, I hook, line, and sinker, man. I, I've had people come to the church here before. I had one guy, he wrote me a full poem. I think there's somebody trying to get him back there. Can you check on that, Brother Mark? they wrote an entire poem about the pastor and how wonderful the pastor was, okay? The same guy who wrote that poem and put it in a plaque and gave it to me is the same fellow that when he left took four families with him. <clears throat> you know, deflection of praise is the best kind of praise. Well, I tell you what, you, sure, you, you showed up on time for work today and you did a good job. Well, that's because my mom and dad taught me to make sure I do that. You know what that's called? Deflection of praise. Someone walks out the door and says, man, boy, that was just a wonderful message I really needed today. Praise the Lord. You know what that is? Deflection of praise. You ever thought about this? You are not what you are because of you. You are what you are because of what's been put inside of you. Remember what Apostle Paul said? I am what I am by grace of God. You know, Paul was trying to say, I'm not what I am because of my education. I'm not what I am because of my hard work. I am because of what God's placed inside of me. You are the sum total of all of the teachers, parents, and what God has put inside of you. You're not a great person. You just got a great God that allowed great things to be put inside of you. So be careful as far as compliments because I'm going to tell you something. Compliments will steal the hearts of people. All right, so how did Absalom do it? Number one, conversation. Number two, the next way he did it was through compliments. Last of all, look at your Bible again. Verse number four, Absalom said, Moreover, O that I were made judge in the land, and every man which hath any suit or cause might come unto me, and I would do him justice. And it was so that when any man came nigh to him to do him obeisance, he put forth his hand, took him, and kissed him. All right, now watch for a second here, all right? Uh, Simon and Benjamin, come here and help me for a second here, all right? I don't want to illustrate this so you guys get to. All right? <clears throat> come on over. Simon. Uh, you're smoother than him. You play Absalom. <laughs> Benjamin, you go over here. All right, you, now watch for a second here, church family. We're, we're almost done. Absalom, I'm sorry. Uh, we're going to just call him by his name, Benjamin. Benjamin is from the tribe of Judah, and he's coming to see King David because he's got a problem. So he walks up here, gets to the gate, and guess who's standing waiting? Mr. Slicks, Mr. Smooth. What's his name? Absalom. No, it's Simon, believe me. All right. No, I'm Absalom, Absalom, all right? So Absalom meets him. Now, according to the scripture, here's what the Bible says. All right, let's read the verse. You guys stay right there because I want to make sure I get this correctly, okay? Are you all there? Look at your Bible. This is going to be good. All right, look at verse number um, five. And it was so that when any man came to him to do him obeisance, he put forth his hand. Put forth your hand. Man, shake that hand. All right, put forth his hand and took him. Take your other hand. Yeah, good. And kissed him. <laughs> 
<laughs> They're not being very helpful, are they? All right. Now, the word kiss is not like we use the word kiss today, all right? It was a greeting. That's all it was. But it was a greeting. Now, here's what I want you to catch. <coughs> Took, kissed, it was contact. Now, fellas, thank you very much. I appreciate your help. Hey, young people, can I just tell you something? The reason people uh, fall, as we call, use the term fall in love, it's always because of two things, conversation and contact, always. Conversation and contact. When you get mar- before you got married, what caused you to like each other? Conversation and contact. Now, we do our best to keep contact out of the picture because contact expedites a relationship like God planned it to, but that's why it's supposed to be after marriage. Contact does that, holding hands, kissing, embracing. And it, and it causes a person to get to that place where they, they become intimate, but all of that was supposed to be kept until a person got married. Are you all with me so far? Amen. Stay with me now. Now, can I tell you the reason he stole the hearts? Because of contact. There's something. You know why I didn't, I didn't like during COVID us not shaking hands during COVID? You know why I didn't like that? Is because there's something about contact that draws us together. Contact. You know why Epsilon stole the hearts of the people? You, you think it was just a simple handshake. But there's something about God designed it that way. There's something about contact. By the way, the boyfriend-girlfriend relationship, why is there such a draw for contact? Because you're trying to get each other's heart. Girls, you're not supposed to let the guys keep their paws off. If they, can't, if they love you, they'll wait till, they get, till you get married. Fellas, you keep your paws off the girls. Look at me now. You keep your paws off the girls until you get married. Because, and not the girls. Once you find the one the Lord wants you to marry, then God gave, gave that for marriage. Contact is what brings a person's heart. Listen to me and I'm done. I have met many a young person that has made a mistake in their life because their heart was already drawn. And part of it is contact. So that's why we have to be careful when it comes to our young people, when it comes to training our children, that between conversation, compliments, and contact... He stole, stole the hearts of the people. I want to tell you, you might get somebody inside this church that doesn't like the direction the church is going. Be careful that you do not let conversation and compliments and contact cause you to just go that direction and just give your heart away. I'm done. Proverbs 4.23, don't turn to it because you know the verse. Keep Thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. The word issue means decision or plan. Every decision or plan is made from the, are you with me? Is made from the heart, all right? Our thinking, our mind. Now watch for a second here. The word keep thy heart, the word keep actually means in the Hebrew, guard or protect. The devil wants your heart because if he has your heart, he has you. The devil wants your heart because if he has your heart, he has you. And that's what Absalom did. He was going for the heart. And once he got the heart, he became king. Now, you have a whole lesson you can read on rebellion. But this morning, I just wanted to make sure we just share that one thought. And maybe the Lord obviously knew because the young people are with us this morning. Give your heart to your parents. Protect your heart from, from, from whether they're lost or whether it's a carnal Christian. Protect your heart. 
Because I'm going to tell you something. If they get this, they've got you. And you're not even going to know it. Conversation. Compliment. Contact. Hey, give your heart to your parents, young people. Spouse, give your heart to your spouse. Don't let the devil pull your heart away. Guard it. Protect it. Let's pray.